Hello everyone, my name is Oskar Lagerosen, I'm the founder of The Total Living. Now I'm going to read out loud the 16th blog post in the One Glance article series covering how you can adjust your desired outcomes and next actions based on whatever you want to do. So let's get right into it. In the previous article, I mentioned that you could finish a task or a project in record time by allocating very little time for it. But to be pr truly practical, you need to adjust the outcomes and the next actions as you wish. So then we bring to some kind of an iron triangle of project management. So imagine a triangle in which you have scope on one end, and scope is uh, what components and features are included. And on the second one is cost, and uh, the third one is time. All these parameters, scope, cost, cost and time, are interdependent. Therefore, if you increase one of them, the other needs to be decreased. For instance, you can complete a project faster if the budget increases and the scope decreases, for instance, dropping features or doing less. <clears throat> Likewise, more features lead to increased budget and delayed time. A tight budget leads to fewer features, etc. The key takeaway is that you can change these parameters on your tasks and projects. In other words, set the ambition level for the desired outcome. You can either upscope it or as most often the case, downscope the desired outcome. Are you either doing it more ambitious or doing it less ambitious? For instance, if you're tight on deadline, you prefer to downscope it by delivering something smaller but on time, just like release early, release often that is used, used mostly in the software. Alternatively, you can postpone the deadline we involve more resources to receive the desired quality. Another example is that you can scale down your work to prototype level or minimum viable product if you're not sure that you're doing the right thing. Then you can receive feedback to know if you're on the right track with adjustments are needed. But how does this relate to Parkinson's law, you might ask? By drastically reducing the time allotted, you will decide what is truly important for the outcome. You separate the wheat from the chaff, the signal from the noise, and focus on the most important thing. You also have the opportunity to increase resources by adding more people or software in, giving you more leverage overall. You have only 24 hours a day, but can increase your leverage to infinity. Moreover, Pareto's law states that not everything is equal, that 20% or less contribute to 80% or more of the results. When you drastically reduce the time for a task project, you're forced to confront the reality of what actions matter or are wasteful. <clears throat> you, became, you become more lean and productive by choosing the right outcome and taking limited time. Which brings us to adjusting next actions. And uh, in this case, task accuracy. 
To continue with Pareto's law, some actions, tasks, and projects are more important than others and receive faster results. If you want to achieve your dreams faster, you have to do accurate work. The picture below, and uh, in the article there is a picture, but uh, I will explain it more word by word here in this video, in this episode. But in this picture, it illustrates examples of what is accurate work versus inaccurate work. So for instance, if you want to write a book, accurate work is the time you actually write, and inaccurate work is speaking to other authors or researching how to write and stuff like that. And if the outcome is increased revenue, rather than doing web design, you should do sales calls instead. And if the outcome is public speaking skills, rather than reading about like charisma and how to move people, stuff like that, you should actually speaking to groups. You should speak to groups. And uh, the fourth example, if you want six-packs abs, rather than just researching fitness equipment and all, all things supplement and diet and all that stuff, you should, um, yeah, focus on eating right. Not worry too much about like which diet is absolutely the best, but most of all, you should exercise very regularly. And the last one, if you want to hire a new COO, rather than redesigning the project management system, you should find and interview candidates. So notice a pattern here between the accurate work and the inaccurate work. The accurate work embraces the two principles called specificity and action orientation. By being extremely specific on what actions are accurate and then doing them, you will quickly discover what is working or not working and can adapt accordingly. In other words, you should always ask yourself, what actions maximally contribute to the outcome I want? These actions have more leverage and will do a lot more for you. By focusing on these and ignoring inaccurate work while working with great intensity in short periods, you will achieve what others call impossible. However, it feels so much better and safer at the moment to do inaccurate work than doing accurate work. Because although accurate work is the fastest, it feels so hard and painful to confront reality and see the harsh truth of failure and success. When you sense some hollowness in the body, butterflies in the stomach, and other trembling signs of nervousness, nakedness, and vulnerability, when you're like feeling exposed and everyone is looking at you, you feel emotional resistance. And uh, that is not pleasant, isn't it? So how do you actually cope with uh, emotional resistance? Because that is the obstacle mostly, because accurate work is not, doesn't take so much time compared to inaccurate work, but it feels hard in the moment. So that is a challenge. And it's actually a good thing because um, emotional resistance can be more or less handled while time is just time. So, and not everyone wants to do wants to cope with emotional resistance either since it's so scary and basically most people want to stay within their comfort zones. But if you expand it, if you challenge yourself and uh, do things that you 
didn't, didn't think that you would do. There are significant rewards on the other side. And according to bestseller author and podcaster Tim Ferriss, a person's success in life can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. So how can you actually get to the other side without bursting into tears or feeling like a total failure? And there are four ways that I found very helpful. The first way is to do some kind of unofficial exposure therapy, which is the established method to overcome fears. You start small and gradually move up to more and more uncomfortable actions and situations. For instance, if you have a business idea, you can start by just telling your friends first before investors and potential customers. And uh, you will find yourself braver and bolder by conditioning yourself to gradual doses. The second way is to actually define your fear. Just like the fear setting exercise and cognitive behavior therapy do, and I'll link the fear setting exercise in the article. By acknowledging the fear, writing down the scariest things that can happen, and then responding logically, you diminish the power of emotional resistance. It helps to know that everyone thinks most about themselves all the time. So do not worry that it will cause a negative imprint, a major negative imprint in the people you seek to serve. The third way is to realize that you, you are not your actions. Whatever you do and receive feedback on, it's about the actions and not you. And the same goes for your beliefs, your work, etc. It's not like, okay, these are separate from you. You are much better than all of that. And if something fails, you can take advantage of it. And in addition to the other techniques, the fourth way is actually celebrate the uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, I know it sounds uh, <laughs> very counterintuitive, but yeah. I have personally found that it's most helpful to attach a new meaning to the same body response. The feeling is a sign that I'm doing something right. So a couple of examples on that. If you're, for instance, doing a presentation, you know that there will be some shaking and all these things in your body. But if you just tell yourself, like, I'm not nervous, I'm excited, then you're in a much better mood to uh, engage with your audience in a way that they will truly remember in a positive way. And also in weightlifting, you want to receive and celebrate muscle burn because that is the sign of fast growth. And uh, it's like, okay, once you feel that pain, you know, like, oh yeah, nice workout. And in the practice, Seth Godin talks about the imposter syndrome that everyone has, which is the feeling like a fraud, like you don't know everything and you'll probably be exposed sooner or later, happens to all of us. And Godin argues that when you feel it, you should celebrate it because that is a signal that you're doing original and important work because you are by definition an imposter if you're doing something that might not work and others haven't done before. So better embrace it and uh, take it with pride and badge of honor and stuff like that. So in the same way, whenever you feel shaky or you hyperventilate, and feel that butterflies in your stomach when you will, for instance, like pick up the phone or do whatever accurate tasks that you need to do. 
think in a loud voice. I'm not going to do a loud voice here, but the following is like, yes, thank you. I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to win. That is what you're going to echo in your mind. Visualize a sharing crowd, celebrating you when you're on the last part of the race. You're like everyone is cheering for you and uh, want you to win once you do it. So it's like, yeah, you're doing this uh, brave leap and everyone is celebrating. You know that you're on the right path. So uh, it is totally worth it. And by visualizing this, interpreting these nervous signals as extremely positive, you will be bold enough to succeed and happily enjoy the immense happiness that comes after. So these are the four ways on how you can cope with emotional resistance and do the accurate work faster than ever, while everyone thinks that you are some kind of like brave robot or whatever that just like does things and uh, yeah with all positive attributes because of that, kind of like a hero. So in conclusion, you have up until now, during the last six videos and episodes of uh, One Glance, you have learned what tax, tasks and projects are, how to organize them and execute them with minimum time and maximum accuracy. And that is an astronomical leap and you're already in the top 1% in both effectiveness and efficiency. So a huge congratulations to that. And you should definitely celebrate this time with an enjoyable activity today. Because it's so good. Tomorrow's video and episode will tell all about the capture and why it is so important. Later on, we will discuss the higher levels, which are goals, areas, vision, longer view, etc., and give a clear step-by-step -step guide that is easy to follow to be whatever you want to become thanks to the one glance system. And every step, you can always lean back to it and it will say produce the same results. It's one glance function regardless if it's imperfect or perfect. So, and with that, I want to say thank you so much for your attention and uh, have a very nice day. See you in the next one.